0: Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Carrier's Edge podcast. I don't even remember what episode number it is, and at this point, it really doesn't matter that much, I don't think. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Morrell, co-founder of Carrier's Edge.
1: I'm Jane Desrowe, the other co-founder of Carrier's Edge.
0: And we have not really talked about what we're going to discuss in this podcast. So this should be an interesting and uh, eventful hour. It or so.
1: always is.
0: Well, I know that there you have some things to talk about. Um, because periodically, well, as we're getting ready to do this podcast, I try and avoid having any meaningful discussions about things that sort of pop into our heads. Um, I want to save it for the podcast. And so I know, uh, you've got something that you want to talk about. Uh, I've been torturing Jane because she came to me like yesterday and had this idea. I was like, Oh, I got this. I figured it out what I want to do about it. And I said, stop, save it for the podcast because mm-hmm. otherwise we'll just discuss it. And it will be all played out, and then we try and talk about it on the podcast, and it's just dead and boring, and it's not new. So this way it's fresh, and I'll be hearing it for the first time. So why don't we start with that, whatever it was that was your exciting thing. Well, and have you, do you still remember? Or have,
1: yeah, okay. I remember it. Um, well, I was, we, I'm speaking at uh, the Great West Casualties leader, Leadership Symposium in a few cities in March, and I am creating the presentation for this, and I'm creating the presentation out of the results from for this year, which nobody knows yet. What results? The top 20.
0: Best fleets to drive for you're talking Oh,
1: about. yeah, best fleet. Don't you know what's in my head? Everyone should just know what's in my head. It would just be so much easier to, yeah, so to move on through step life. Step up a level
0: and give a bit of a basic.
1: Well, yeah. I've been working on it this morning, right before this podcast, so I... You know, it's in my head, so therefore it's in everybody's head. But one of the things that I was trying to do is trying to find a way to explain how drivers are separate from their companies. Hmm. And it's very different than any other group of staff. Drivers are very different.
0: And you've been asked to talk about... Something about creating a driver-centric culture, using the best fleet's data to create a driver-centric culture. Right. Okay.
1: That is, and I'm not going to tell you right now about what I'm going to say, but I'm just going to explain how I'm thinking about why companies should even think about having a driver-centric culture. And other, I think there's a lot of talk about the importance of drivers and how essential they are, and you know, the devotion of an entire week to appreciating them. Yes, Driver Appreciation Week. which We have a
0: whole set of opinions on that.
1: Yeah, we do. Uh, We have lots of opinions on lots of things, but um, that are usual occurrences in the industry. And I think the reason that we have these opinions is because we see the fallout from those actions. Like Driver Appreciation Week, I think people like it. It's enjoyable. But I don't think it really gives the impression that drivers are more appreciated than, than they tend to think they are. For a lot of people, or a lot of drivers doing that job, they don't feel appreciated by their companies. They feel quite, you know, they're just another widget in the whole machine of the trucking company.
0: So one week where you get a free shirt and a sandwich... Doesn't change the rest of the year.
1: Even if you get a free shirt and a sandwich every day for that week, it does not yeah. make up for the rest of the year when dispatchers are trying to make you drive to places that are going to put you out of hours, or they're trying to, um, you know, make you sit for a while because there are no loads to take, or you know, you try and get back home for a special occasion and you can't do that. Like, there's a lot of things that are very important to drivers that are not always as important to the companies. So, and this is happening with this group of people because they aren't in the office. Mm -hmm. If you are in the office, you have a relationship with someone. If you're close to, if you see someone every day, you're going to have a relationship with them. You're going to see when they're unhappy about something. And for the most part, you try and make it better. Or things change so that there's more efficiency and that there's more satisfaction. And when you're in an office together, that's not a problem at all. Um, generally, people have ways of of doing that. However, when you have a lot of people who are never in the office then it becomes a whole other challenge. And we experienced this as consultants when we were always off on projects. Mm-hmm. So when we worked for PricewaterhouseCoopers, we were always, everybody was always in a different location. And sometimes the location that you were at, so if you were placed in a company for a particular project like you know Bell or Nortel or something like that, you, your environment, your office environment became your project team the actual office, the the actual company that you're working for, you're very separate from. And that's the same thing in trucking is that, you know, you're um, geographically dispersed and you don't, you feel a very, there isn't that much of a connection. So I'm trying to figure out how to explain this in a couple of slides and how to do it with an image. And what I decided to do is kind of look at the whole company as a circle. So, and at the center of the circle, who do you think that would be?
0: The center of the circle? Yeah.
1: If the circle is a company, then who's at the center of the circle?
0: Well, you I mean, know, the fleets are going to say their drivers are at the center.
1: That's not who's at the center.
0: Yeah,
1: the like owner. the uh, yeah, the owner of any company is at the center of that company. Right. By design, you have to be. Like yeah. if you're not at the center of the circle, then things are probably going Bad to much. hell in a, bas- in a hand basket. Yeah. So, yeah, so the owner or the president or whoever that top, uh, the CEO or whatever, is at the center. And then, sort of on the outskirts, so there's a circle there with the center. And then there are the departments.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So you have safety, recruiting, um, you may have an IT department, you may have operations, operations, maintenance. Yeah. All of those circles are in the building, they're close to that president all the time Mm -hmm. they're talking to that person all the time there's a lot of communication back and forth but the drivers actually are separate and they're like a ring around the circle Mm. and that and for each trucking company there's this ring of people who are not really attached to the company. They're attached to the road. They're attached to where their customers, to the people they see every day, or you know, to that way of life. And so what happens is they are more attached to other drivers, whatever company that they're working for, than they are to the company itself. And what the company has to do is try and bring that outer circle of drivers into the main circle of the company. Right now, what a lot of companies are doing is leaving that ring of of drivers, external people, sort of defend for themselves quite a bit. And what happens is is they start getting their support from outside the company. Mm -hmm. They start looking to other drivers, and they start looking at things like Facebook and other social media and saying, Do you know if this is a good place to work? Is this, you know, what's the benefits? What are the problems? They're not going to the companies and talking to them about solving any problems. They're looking to leave and just go and hook themselves up to another circle. And it's a very easy way that trucking has really trained people, trained drivers, to just sort of stay on the outskirts and float around,
0: Float from circle to circle. And
1: it's very easy. They're almost
0: like free-floating atoms that will attach to a molecule temporarily and then wander off to something else.
1: Yeah, and you get bonuses for doing that. Mm-hmm. So you know why would a driver want to stay at a company when if he's annoyed at all, that company will happily—well, probably not happily—let him go anymore. But but will not be it will not be that difficult to go and. Uh, sort of hitch themselves onto another company, get a financial reward for it, and then sort of go, you know, bounce around like that. And it's not financially a good idea to do that for a driver, but I think a lot of drivers will do it sort of as a short-term gains if they see that they have... Um, financial pressures or or whatever and they think that their long-term prospects at a company are not that great or really don't matter so it's not that difficult for them to rip themselves away
0: Mm -hmm. so then the secret to breaking out of that is to find some way to anchor those drivers more solidly not in a free-floating circle but more directly with the company
1: Exactly. So getting
0: them involved, which is all of the stuff that we talk about, which we see the best fleets doing year after year, getting drivers involved, making them part of teams, bringing them in for um, like the 4DX huddles that include the drivers or making them part of project teams to investigate things. um, Just having them more actively involved in what the business is doing outside of the actual driving.
1: It's exactly what people are doing. And I think It works. I think that that you have to really make an effort to do it because it's difficult. It is difficult to try and communicate on a regular basis with people who are far away, who you may not have to deal with all the time. And there's a lot of fleets who uh, there's examples of fleets who the executive has lists of people to call Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. Like this is not a once a year thing. They're calling them.
0: Weekly in some cases.
1: I don't know if weekly. I think monthly.
0: There's several. I know there's some that do a weekly list. uh, And it's different. So you get a... You You get a a selection. You get a couple of names this week and you call them and then you get a couple of different names next week. Uh, But yeah, that's interesting. And uh, social media makes that a lot easier. So people that are taking advantage of that, you know, that's uh, a great way to get people anchored is to make them feel part of some kind of affinity group with the company and uh, I definitely see more and more fleets taking advantage of that.
1: And more and more fleets are using drivers as a resource more than they have been before the, the, we got a lot of responses like, well, the drivers are all over the place so we can't ask them (laughs) to come to a meeting or be part of a committee or do this or do that. So, and we still hear that we hear it less Because the people who are participating in Best Fleets, I think that they're kind of self-selecting now. I think if you know that you're not really um, bringing your drivers in or engaging them, then you know that you're probably not going to do well. Now, I think that even if you think that, you know, you have a long way to go with your drivers – You should probably do best fleets and just go through the questionnaire and that will tell you a whole lot about what people Mm -hmm. like and don't like and where you're, you know, where there's gaps and that whole, um, you know, comparing yourself to others is, is a good, is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Even if you are going to fall short, that's fine because you may not, you know, that may be a short term thing and knowing where you fall short is a very good tool for bridging that gap.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I think there's definitely a subset of people that kind of stop participating or they try on some of these things and when they see that uh, we don't let them get away with it, we don't have any time for the excuses, then (laughs) they kind of, you know, some of them move on and recognize that, oh yeah, those are just excuses, we should do something different and some of them just sort of leave the program, they stop coming back. But yeah, we're not going to let people get caught up in the, the cliches and uh, the, uh, the excuses for things that they can't do. I mean, everything that people say they can't do, we can, we can find examples of somebody who's doing it in the exact same situation. So this business of, oh, we can't have meetings because our drivers are all over the country. Well, what about phones? What about um, video streaming or a webinar or, you know, GoToMeeting or Facebook Live or something? There's tons of ways around that. Oh, we can't do social events because drivers are all over the place. Well, there's people finding answers to that solution too. Answer to that problem that they're getting, um, they're getting people together in different ways. They're doing it in different regions, so there's answers to everything.
1: You just really won't have to want to do something different or make things better for mm-hmm. that group of people. And if you don't want to, or if you think that you're doing enough, then hey. More power to you. That's great. But if you are looking for, if you are looking for drivers, if you are thinking, okay, this driver shortage is going to be a problem, there are an- answers to be found in best fleets just by us asking the questions, mm, just like, by looking
0: at the questions yeah. that we asked. Yeah. What's
1: your, di- you know, how do you, how do you attract diversity? Mm-hmm. You don't. It's so many people say we don't do anything. Or we are equal opportunities. So if someone shows up, then uh, that's gonna you know, that's gonna solve the problem. The problem is is no one's showing up anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have to go out and find people and that's a that's a big deal. Or how do you make sure that your work environment is gonna meet everybody's needs? And we're getting a whole lot better answers than we used to. Yeah. Do you remember who we used to get Uh, I think the majority of the answers were things like we do a salary review, salary comparison. Yeah. We get uh, statistics and uh, open door policy.
0: Yeah. People can complain if something's not to their liking. Yeah. And now we don't see that so much. We see much more of the proactive going out and asking and finding different ways to collect that feedback from Mm -hmm. drivers to solicit input from them, get them involved or... Having drivers part of committees and part of different project teams to actively improve those different things, so yeah it's it's really shifted over the past well, certainly in the past ten years that we've been doing it it's really shifted
1: I think the big shift really has happened in the last two or three.
0: There's definitely been a tipping point
1: c s a was a big it was a big paradigm shift for companies, and it's funny how how differently. Questions are answered about things like how do you evaluate your drivers and how Mm -hmm. do you benchmark and and that kind of thing, people used to do very little. And we thought that MCS with their scorecard that they Mm -hmm. made up Mm
0: -hmm. was
1: really, really good. And this was before CSA, I believe.
0: Well, they've been doing it for a while, but CSA was certainly part of that.
1: Well, when did they win the overall? 2009? Uh, No. 2012, I think. Oh, was it 2012? Okay. I thought it it was earlier than that. I thought they had a scorecard before CSA. It was a big deal.
0: Yeah. But uh, I've found that there definitely are sections that leap forward and then sort of stop. Um, So in the early days, it was environmental stuff. Everybody was making big moves on environmental. And there was a lot of different things that people were doing. So we could evaluate them on that. And then sort of around that time, there was a next generation of satellites coming in. So we saw people that were adopting these more advanced satellites that had critical event recorders and all of these different things that allowed them to have some data about their drivers and also provided a little bit more safety information and um, efficiency for the, the the fleet. Then we get to the point where everybody kind of was standardized on that. Mm-hmm. and then Other areas, you know, now it's been the um, soliciting input from drivers and more advanced performance management and benchmarking and things like that. We're getting to the point where some of those things are starting to stabilize too. And it may be that some other area really picks up and becomes the thing that everybody works on. So it is interesting to see those... I guess the ebb and flow of, of uh, technology adoption or process and policy adoption within the fleets.
1: There used to be uh, fleets that used almost no technology at all mm-hmm. and thought that we had a bias towards technology. <laughs> and I, in a way, I think we—I don't think we had a bias for technology. If you can do all of your, uh, if you can have the same effect and use an Excel spreadsheet or, you know, do it by hand or whatever it is that you're doing, hey, more power to you. But it's more impressive to see people say, well, we have all the driver stats online and their paychecks and all of the trips that they've taken and their, you know, what their estimated revenue is going to be and they can log in and see it anytime. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't Let's go, okay, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to put that with the company who's still, you know, handwriting the checks for their drivers. I can't.
0: Yeah. No, they don't necessarily need a lot of technology to do that. There no. May, there are other ways to do that. There are certainly people that are doing scorecards in Excel still. And if That's it's a fine. small fleet and it works, it's really about the outcome. If they're getting that uh, outcome with or with technology, great. Uh, technology is getting cheaper and easier to use. So... You know the old thing about oh, only the big companies can have this. Well, that doesn't really wash anymore because you see small companies with their own um, very advanced scorecards and more and more with uh, dedicated mobile apps and things like that. So there's lots of opportunities that are out there now. Uh, you just have to be a little bit creative and look around and think about how to apply it and be willing to make some changes.
1: I think that's the uh, that's the main problem with companies in general is the will to make a change. The sort of like, let's stop, you know, cause you get that I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. So we get a lot of that with best fleets. Well, not a lot, we get a little bit where companies won't finish the questionnaire because they're too busy. And then they just drop off the face of the planet and they don't they don't mm-hmm. respond to you anymore. It's like, okay, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm sorry that I even started. Um, they don't want to do it because it's hard. But And the thing is, is that trying to figure out where your company should go is also hard. And sometimes if you want to bring people together and spend a day and just think about it, people are very hesitant to do that because that's taking out, you know, they have a lot of fires to put out. So, mm-hmm. hey, wait a minute, you're asking me to actually stop putting out all those fires like what's going to happen although they're all going to burn like crazy and it'll be all california all over again and (laughs) and but you can't do that you have to actually stop and say it's in the grand scheme of things it's more important for us to think about how we're going to solve this big problem that we haven't been able to solve with little tiny uh, fixes and band-aids here and there so you know giving your giving a driver a huge bonus It may work in the short term, but it's not going to work in the long term.
0: Yeah. Well, the problem with a lot of those big bonuses is they're they're almost a bait and switch. You see the giant ad of the 10,000 signing bonus, 14,000 signing bonus and all of this stuff. But then when you get to the fine print, well, you got to stick around for five years to get it. And drivers are not big on reading the fine print or they're not big on trying to determine a vesting schedule for bonuses and stocks and things like that. So they're just going to end up getting pissed off and quitting six months in because it's like, well, you said that I was getting this bonus. So where's my bonus? Oh, you got to stick around for five years. Well, over the course of five years, you probably would have earned that 10,000 bucks somewhere else anyway. So you didn't really get anything extra while being here. And I
1: think that going to a company for money is, and this is part of the issue when you have drivers in that gray area between companies where they don't have a real attachment mm-hmm. is that what they want. And I see this in, this is such a common thing in the driver surveys, really what drivers want besides pay like if you get pay out of the way it doesn't have to be more pay but they want relationships with people Mm -hmm. and those relationships are i would say that the positive uh messages we get in driver surveys about the people that they work with are almost double the next one down Mm-hmm. Like the next thing Absolutely. that's important to them, it's like people and feeling like family and feeling good about where you work is like way, way above anything else. So if all you focus on is pay, that's only a secondary thing. And people will try and get as much as they can and then the moose. So they're and then the the drivers themselves have to also think like how much misery Am I going to put myself through by not thinking about what kind of people I want to work with, Mm -hmm. what kind of company I want to work for, what kind of routes I want to do, like what kind of miles do I want to do, and think about the quality of life more than the money.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's the thing that I always keep coming back to is like, I would love to do a session at a truck show or something that talked to drivers about how to apply for a job, what to look for. Um, or write an article about it or something is stop asking about money. That's the last thing you should be asking about. And if somebody is trumpeting their pay package at the front of their recruiting ad, stay away from them. That's not a good sign. Uh, because a great company doesn't need to be going on and on about pay. It's kind of like, you know, you never want to sell on price because if you sell on price then you've already lost, because that means you've got nothing else. So if you're competing on price, then you obviously don't have any other features or differentiators in any product or service. You know, if it's price, 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 you know, you're dealing with a garbage product. Great products don't do that. They don't um, go on and on about how they're the cheapest or the best value or anything like that. They talk about the product quality. And similarly, in the world of truck driving jobs, if a company, a company is selling that job. To the applicants, and if they've got a great job, they don't need to be going on about price. They don't need to be going on about the pay. You know, we've got the best pay package and all of that kind of stuff. They're going to have a ton of other things and a lot of happy drivers. That that's going to be the thing that's really important. And the companies that do best in the best fleets programs, I see that they generally have got a lot of things that they're marketing in their uh, ads beyond just pay. They're talking about the things that make them good. Or in some cases, particularly the smaller fleets, they're not doing recruiting ads at all because they got a waiting list of people who want to come yeah. on. Yeah,
1: that is uh, one of the things that we've started noticing is that there really hasn't been that driver shortage problem in some of the best fleets because they just don't need to, mm-hmm. they don't need to recruit or they don't need to recruit the same way. But I think it's interesting your point about recruiters being uh, salespeople. And I think that's a lot of the reason that that tr- drivers don't particularly trust them because, okay, why are you telling me this? Mm-hmm. And I think that I would be – I'm not a big fan of recruiters in my field either because mm-hmm. I do find that they're very opportunistic. And it's yeah. its sort of like, yeah, you know what? I do not ever want to talk to a recruiter. If I want to talk to a recruiter, I will find a recruiter. Yeah, I know where they are. <laughs> So um, yeah,
0: we see it when we're hiring people. Uh, We we kind of see that from the opposite side, where we're hiring uh, people for different jobs internally, and we get headhunters, recruiters from different uh, agencies and recruiting shops that come out of the woodwork to offer us their fantastic list of candidates. And it's uh, it's the same kind of thing.
1: Well, we are. I don't. I think we're different than the rest of the planet in that we actively question all advertising.
0: <laughs> We're skeptics.
1: All of marketing, all, uh, yeah, anything we see on TV, it's a question. It's like, well, why is this happening? And why is that happening? And I think it's because we, as part of the development of our own company, we've had to ask those questions too. Mm-hmm. Like, do we want to, you know, do we want to have an active sales force the same way everybody else does? Do we want to, um do we want to harass people on the phone all the time? We don't. Mm-hmm. We're not comfortable with that. We're very low key, and probably our business could have be, been bigger if we had been more, um, had a different attitude towards it. But we we're both for we we're both very you know internal people, and we do think a lot about what mess what the messages are that are being sent, and it's very important that the message, for us when we buy something. The message has to be true. It has to be something that we can trust. Otherwise, it's... I can stop trusting products easily. You
0: have to uh, think about it less in terms of that specific transaction and more in terms of the relationship with the product or service over time. So looking at our own business, sure, I could have badgered people to sign up And had salespeople that had targets and uh, you'd be whipping them every week to make sure that they're cranking the sales and signing up new customers and all of that stuff. But if those people aren't ready to sign up and they're not ready to make the internal changes that are required to get full value out of an online training system, then it's just a waste of time. At at the first opportunity, they're going to cancel. So having a whole bunch of people that are pressured to sign up but aren't ready for it and cancel a month or three months later, that doesn't help in the long run. So it's kind of the same thing. Well, it's the same thing with anything that we buy and the same thing with even talking about sort of drivers and recruiters. It's all about the longer-term relationship. That individual transaction is just one indicator of several that uh, you have to look at when you're thinking about how things are going to go over a longer relationship. So if we were going to buy something, even if we're buying I don't know, we're buying a toaster or something. You got to think about, you're going to have this thing. Well, maybe that's not a good one. It's kind of a disposable sort of thing. So you yeah, don't care something that, that But something that you do care about that you're going to use for a longer period. You think about, certainly in the business world, we think about uh, what's our relationship with a vendor or a product going to be? What happens after the fact when we have a question, when we need help? Are they continuing to develop it? Are they investing in building um, their own strength to, uh, improve that product or service, that kind of thing. And that happens, you know, uh, on the personal side as well. We look at, uh, vendors, uh, we buy products, we use service people that are that kind of people that are serious about making it better uh, making their service or product better. And that pays off in the long run. So transitioning that back to the driver and the recruiter, you know, are there recruiters that are just trying to fill spots or are there companies that are looking for the right fit? You know, do they just want a driver who's going to uh, be able to operate a truck or are they looking for somebody who's going to be a right fit to join their team and become part of their corporate culture? And that's a very different model for a recruiting uh, to follow. And it's less about pay, pay, pay and more about what are you looking for? Uh, Here's what we need. Is that a fit with what your aspirations are?
1: Which is generally how we hire. Um, hiring for us is, is difficult because we have a very strange setup where everybody is, um, virtual.
0: Yeah. We work differently, but at the same time, well, I think we've had a lot of, a lot better success on the hiring now that we've kind of embraced that and recognized it. And that's kind of front and center in our job postings. It's, Hey, if you're interested in these kind of things, you're going to hate us. Stay away. But on the <laughs> other hand, if you want to, in our case, if you want to just focus on doing quality work in peace, if you're not looking for a cool office downtown with the foosball tables and a beer fridge.
1: And brick walls. Everybody yeah, has to have brick walls brick now. brick walls yeah. in some,
0: uh, some historic building. If you're tired of that stuff and you just want to work on your on your work in peace and do good quality work, then that's what we're after. So we kind of look for the people that are sort of loners that just want to focus on doing great quality work on their own. And that's a fit, but it cuts out a whole lot of people. So a lot of our recruiting ads and our our, our version of that, our job postings, are really not about, certainly not about pay, but it's all about work culture and what are you looking for? What do you want to do? And then there's definitely the requirements. You got to have this and this and this, and we would like you to have experience with these other things and, you know, all of that kind of stuff that's standard practice in a, a job posting, but it ends up being a lot about the culture and the environment as well.
1: Yeah, I think I would completely agree. I don't know. I think that more companies are starting to look at that or starting to look at what they are about and why people should work for them. I, I, I'm i kind of wondering if there are, you know, for fast food restaurants and, and that kind of thing, they kind of build that into their culture is that people are not going to stay. Yeah. And now that, you know, the whole idea of millennials who may want to come in, but maybe it's not their maybe it's not the job for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And younger people, especially, you know, our kids, that generation who are all starting to Gen Z, Gen Z, or just starting to come into the workforce. Maybe it's not that you are going to be there for a long time. Maybe it is that you're only going to be there for a year or a couple of years. And maybe planning for that or having a, Job that is that, Mm -hmm. like like what people do for instructional design. A lot of them will just go to contractor work, Mm -hmm. and they won't have a full time job because there's just so much contract work to go around. And that's how people want it to be done. And you know, well,
0: and they want to keep moving around and get different experiences so they don't get bored. And it's funny we see the same thing uh, on the safety side. We see safety people, particularly good safety people, that want to go into a situation fix it up, improve the thing, and then move on. And once that problem is solved, it's not fun for them anymore. So there's really two very different types of safety people that we encounter, certainly in the transportation world. I don't know what it's like in other industries, but there are those problem-solver people that just go from job to job to job, looking for a fleet that's in trouble so they can go in and fix it and really get uh, enjoyment out of that Uh, experience. But then there's the other ones that are more of the maintainers that want to go into a fleet that's good and just sort of keep polishing things here and there, add things, but kind of maintain that good situation. So um, I see both of those. And uh, certainly, we get a lot of value out of those people that are the problem solvers because we have a, a network of them that incorporate us into their problem solving toolkit. So it's that's kind of where we first discovered it is we had these customers that would sign up and then six months later uh, they're gone from the company and they pop up somewhere else and then they sign up with us again and then six months or twelve months later they're gone from that company and then they pop up somewhere else so. There's a whole subset of them around there. And depending on where the fleet is at, you know, one or the other type may be a perfect fit. So I find it very interesting sort of watching how all of that plays out and, you know, recognizing what we're doing is kind of embracing what's going to be the right fit for us and looking for people that are a good fit. And um, I see the same thing you know, in the, uh, with uh, fleets that are kind of hiring, the better ones are looking for people that are going to be a good fit. And maybe it isn't a a good fit forever. Maybe that safety person is what they need for 18 months to get them back in shape. And then they're going to move on to somebody who's more of a maintainer type, but it's a, it's a good approach on the drivers as well. I I think is where you you were headed with your thought a minute ago is that maybe you shouldn't be looking for a driver who's going to stick around for 10 years. Maybe what you want is a driver who's going to be great for a couple of years. And then you put new people in there. Um, and we do see that there was one fleet a couple of years ago where they said that to me and I thought it was a really interesting comment. It was a very self-aware statement is like, um, and I, I can't remember the exact name of the fleet, but I remember the conversation with the guy and he said, yeah, if I can get a good 18 months out of a driver, I think we're good. Um, recognize that after that they're going to want to do something different. They're going to look for a different type of route or whatever. Um, so if I get a good 18 months, then, then that's, that's a success for us. And I think that's, uh, that's an interesting approach. And we've seen a few. There's certainly ones uh, that do a lot of new entrance stuff. This year we had a few fleets that do mm-hmm. a lot of new entrance stuff, and they recognize that people are maybe not going to stick around. They go, they, they go through the school. They go through the finishing program. They sort of pay off uh, that debt get a bit of experience, and then after that, they're going to look at something that is maybe more suited to their, um, their own uh, lives, the kind of work that they want to do, their personal situation, all of that sort of thing. So they may only stick around for a couple of years, but that's perfectly fine. If that's the business model, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a terrible fleet. It means it's a fleet with jobs for very specific situations.
1: And the fleets that have a number of different companies uh, Customers and customer types, and they have different, like some of them do reefers and some of them have flatbed, but they also have van. I think that's a, you know, having the flexibility to take different jobs in the company, like even the smaller ones, even um, FTC transport, transportation, sorry, uh, they have some flexibility in their what 30 drivers they have some flexibility in where their drivers can work so if drivers have more of the uh, desire to do the the feed the children stuff Mm. then they can do the majority of their work there but they can also do the other the more commercial Mm. work they can they can choose they can move around however if there's a if they are all in some case and there's some cases, it's all hands on deck, and everybody has to, you know, for hurricane or a flood or something like that. Mm-hmm. Everybody is required to be part of the part of the process. But it, you know, otherwise, you can sort of choose uh, bison for sure has mm-hmm. about a billion different jobs you can do and lots you of the can larger live.
0: fleets are like that where they have a lot of different divisions.
1: But small fleets can do it too. I mean mm-hmm. it's really it doesn't have to be a variety in the kind of equipment that you're driving it would or hauling. It would be more as a do you are you interested in something that's dedicated so that you see the same people every day, or are you interested in something that's a little bit more, you know mm-hmm. who knows? Or do you have a load board? Mm-hmm. Can drivers choose their own things or mm-hmm. do you have any way of giving? I have heard people talk about this where they do give drivers a choice of different loads that that are available and they can choose which one they want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So that one works, too. So giving people variety, giving them choice, finding out what they want. It's all
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's all the usual.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well,
1: usual best fleets. Uh,
0: and uh, so we are at the point where we're about to announce our top 20. Yeah, next Tuesday. So last time we did this podcast, I was just about to start the scoring and about to, uh, well, I was feeling about peak stress about that point.
1: Yeah, uh, you're Which fun. I am
0: before I start the scoring. Uh, the final scoring is now done. We got through it. Uh, it and it was a grind, as it always is. Um, it was And probably the
1: winner is...
0: Beep. a fleet that participated this year is <laughs> so yeah we've been dropping teasers for the past couple of weeks i guess the last one goes out today yeah or, it's already out already out yeah um and uh so next tuesday we'll be announcing it the the top 20 and the, i have
1: to do the we have to create the logo picture
0: yes yeah, so we have to do all our design and prep, and I've got to look at the final version of the press release from the TCA.
1: And because there's new blood, I have to try and rearrange them now.
0: Mm. Oh, <gasps> you giving away secrets? There's new blood. Well, that was one of our teasers. That was one of the movements. teasers. Yeah. yeah. There's always new blood. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's funny because we were going through the scoring process, and we were looking at it, and so the way we do it is. We'll, each of us will take one question and we'll score all of the answers in that question. Then we move on to another question and do the same thing. So you're not really looking at one fleet individually. You're looking at all of the answers for a particular question and just thinking about that. Um, but after you've done six or eight of these questions, there are certain things that sort of... Creep Pop into out. the back in, of your mind, which is like, oh, these people are doing better than I thought. You know, I find that uh, these people are having good answers over and over again to the, to the questions, um, more so than I would have expected. And sometimes it's the uh, the other way around. It's like, oh, yeah, I thought these guys did better, particularly if it's somebody you interviewed and you came away with a good impression. Yeah. And when you do the scoring, it's like, oh, huh, I thought they uh, thought they would have had a higher score on that one. but. You know, it's always very clear when you see all of the answers together. Um, So we got through that, that part of the scoring is assigning the scores to all of the, the questions for all of the fleets. And I added it up and I think it ended up, there was something, there was 45 or 50 questions that we ended up scoring and there was like 58 finalists. So we ended up doing about 2,600 questions that we had to score. Uh, over Yikes. those few days,
1: because we're increasing the questions, and
0: yeah, we're scoring a lot yeah. more stuff. Each and we year. change
1: the scoring every year, so it's always it's never it's never like you know okay they get they get a three they get a five it's it's never easy you're always mm-hmm. having to go back and look at the the legend and okay. and, and
0: to change the legend as well because we had a you know you a you few. put together you put together a or scoring legend or at the beginning. But then when you look at the data, when you're deep into the data, you're like, well, this really doesn't warrant this. Maybe it needs an extra point in there, or maybe there really isn't three or four different grades. Really, what it comes down to when you strip out all the extraneous stuff, it might just come down to a yes or no.
1: Not as much. I know you found one of those this year, but I find that it's more of the, they're not quite full marks, but they're, they're not average. So... You need we need some something in between. In yeah, yeah. We need to add another point because there's more, there's more to it. There's more meat to it. And those are the ones that drive me crazy because you have scored two thirds of them and then you've decided, okay, you know what? I need to put in another. Yeah. Or new questions where you're like, okay, I have no idea what's going on here.
0: Yeah. How are we going <laughs> to
1: score this? And
0: you have to read through maybe two thirds of the answers before you can start to get a sense of how yeah. you're going to score it. But after all of that is done and we've assigned all of those individual point values, then we pull out all of the scores and get all the safety data, you know, calculate our retention scores, pull out the driver satisfaction, mm-hmm. fill out all of that stuff. Then you go through, you know, put it all together and compile it. And then you look at it and it's pretty much the same thing every time. It's like, huh, well, <laughs> kind of, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it adds up. Which I think is really just a sanity check. I mean, it, it, why wouldn't it make sense if you've gone through that level of all the scoring? But some of those people um, that you think, oh, geez, they're not doing so good in these, end up doing really well overall.
1: It also depends because we are we take sections.
0: That's so, part of it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you're doing human. Re- you did human resources strategy this year, so you did all the questions in human resources, and companies may do. St- really really well in Mm -hmm. that but then you look at operational strategy and eh, they're iffy there so you don't know and if all the ones that you score tend to be really good then the scores at the end can be a little a little odd but generally the people we think are doing well tend to do well
0: well there's a few but there's definitely ones where i'm thinking oh geez they're doing better than i thought and you're in your sections going, oh, they're not doing as well as I thought. And it's the same company, <laughs> you know, because there's an area where they very definitely invested time and you, yes. can, you can very clearly tell where they're putting their efforts. Yes. Um, and then you put all of that together, you know, and that's where the ultimate scores come out. But there is a few that both of us were like, wow, these people did better than I thought. Um, you know, that sort of come out of the, uh, I don't want to say come out of the woodwork, but there are sort of dark horses, That ended up doing uh, particularly well. And I don't think there was a
1: couple of surprises.
0: Yeah. And I I don't think I'm giving away very much to say that uh, one of those uh, made it onto the top 20.
1: One of the ones that we didn't think was going
0: one to do that well? One was kind of a... Do- no, not the one that we didn't think was going to do well, but one that sort of emerged as a dark horse oh. when we were doing the individual scoring. And and I said to you, wow, these guys, I'm surprised. These guys are doing really well, better than I, I thought they were going to do. And you said the, the same thing. So at that point, you know, we we're getting some good indication that they're in a, a good position to mm-hmm. either make it to as a fleet to watch or a top 20. And, uh, and one of them did. So... Um. yeah, it's always, as much as it's a stressful process, it's always interesting to see what comes out the other end. Yes, um, I like
1: that. I like the whole, that's one of the reasons that I don't mind the scoring process is because the results at mm-hmm. the end, like when you look at it as a whole thing, um, it's, or a whole package, it's, it's really quite fascinating. Yeah. I also find looking at the driver surveys fascinating. Yes, I do I do much more work with the driver surveys than you do because I'm usually looking for, you know, people are always asking me, you know, what are the top three things that drivers want? And it's always the same. Mm-hmm. Or I'd say I don't know if there's always exactly the same, but there's always like a top three that are all vying for for mm-hmm. first place and, and really um and the only thing that I find really interesting is the difference between owner operators and company drivers and what they say and what the top three things are for them.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. An employee versus a small business, basically.
1: Yeah. And I think that it would actually um, be the same for us. Like when we switched from being employees to owning, a, comp- owning mm-hmm. a company and doing consulting was freedom. Yeah. Owner-operators, that is their number one thing is freedom. Mm-hmm. They don't care about the people, but they care about right. like that word always comes up. Huh. It's so cool. I, and it's every time I've looked at the driver surveys is about, you know, what do you like best about this company? And it's just, it's always freedom, that word. So it's, uh, obviously for drivers, that particular thing is, is, a uh, value to them. Well, so.
0: They're in the right career then. If that's what they're valuing, then they've picked the right job.
1: Well, they also have to pick the right company because I think that in some cases it's not necessarily true.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the excitement. uh, The excitement excitement continues. Well, I think it's going to be very interesting year. Um, And I know I say that word a lot around this, but uh, I'm curious to see there there are differences and some of the data that came up that we'll be talking about in articles and in the results book and... uh, uh, all of that, so uh, that uh, I'm I'm quite eager to see what the response is uh, to the the top 20, the fleets to watch, the overall winners, um, and all of the things that we found. So we will be sharing the findings in greater detail through a series of articles. You're doing your uh, uh, your symposium series with mm-hmm. Great West through March and April, and uh, as of, of I guess a week or so ago. We're also doing, I guess two weeks ago maybe, we're, now we're doing a, uh, a breakout session at the TCA convention. Yep. Uh, so we'll be talking about it there. So uh, that's going to be um, a pretty typical sort of summary of the the results and the data, and reviewing the findings and uh, you know, why people are on the top 20 sort of things that they're doing that stick out. So lots of uh, information coming out over the next couple of months. And... uh I don't know. What else do we want to talk about? I think... What I else think... Are we doing? Well, we talked about hiring, which we're sort of in the process of doing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, product design. Anything new in the world of product?
1: Not yet. Nothing new, that is. Uh, still going to be working on our harassment uh, content. Also, um, accident scene is coming out in, in French. Uh, yeah,
0: um, your Spanish vehicle inspection went out. Yeah,
1: that was out.
0: All of those, whatever it was, 12 courses or so mm-hmm. that are out. And uh, French accident scene coming right, probably next week yeah
1: early next week
0: early next week very nice and then you'll get into some new um new course development yep. from there yeah very good and on the backhand learning management um uh, so last time i was uh, talking about how i had broken an icon designer and <laughs> uh so we finished that project
1: Oh, well, we have a really cool new...
0: And I have engaged in a different one. I got through the project. awesome. Well, I finished that project with the designer that we had, and she did fine. She did okay. But afterwards, I'm looking at it. It's like, ah, it's just not sitting right with me. So I basically reopened the project and went and hired somebody else. Now, I still finished the project with the other person, paid them, gave them a bonus for putting up with my grief and everything. But I wanted to go in a different direction. So I've done that. And yeah, as of last night, I have, I think we have found the look. Mm I had this designer, and man, she's got um, uh, some stuff that is just so beautiful. Yeah. And hopefully, we
1: were pretty wowed last night when we were looking. Hopefully,
0: when we do the next episode of this podcast, I'm still of that same opinion.
1: I've never seen a more beautiful folder.
0: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. The most beautiful folder icon. Yeah. And I think I turned into like that uh, caricature of uh, Homer Simpson drooling when I saw
1: Oh, it. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You were so funny.
0: I'm very excited to see where this goes. And we've got other things that we're working on in terms of uh, new features uh, on the management side. And the mobile app is uh, continuing to give us a little bit of grief in some of the changes that we want to do to... Uh, Um, make it work better on some of the different devices, some of the in-cab devices. And man, this is something that should, in my head, be fairly straightforward. So like all of these in-cab devices now, they're largely Android-based devices. So Mm -hmm. we have an Android app. Simple. Put the app on there, it should run. But some of them use older versions of Android that have weird security things on them, or some of them aren't really full uh environment so they all of their eld thing is really just an app of its own and you've got to kind of be inside of that app or sometimes they are a full environment but as a result of that they're not certified tablets which means that you can't use any of the normal notification features or some of the login stuff doesn't work so everybody that's doing an android based tablet and i'm doing air quotes around yeah that, Uh, has got some bit of weirdness that just makes it awkward and clunky to get an app working on it. So we are deep into that, working on that stuff, and also rebuilding our app. So I'm taking that into consideration as we do the rebuild to make it um, not so much a traditional app, but something that will work better in all of these weirdo situations. So my goal is to have that finished uh, that new app finished and out ideally for the TCA convention at end of March, but if not then, uh, for truck world in April, uh, but it's a grind, uh, and it's a, it's a real headache. So that's the, uh, well, that's part of what's driving us to, uh, to be hiring more staff. Uh, mm-hmm. we've got, uh, developer positions that we're in the process of filling and that we've got a lot of other stuff that we want to do as well, um, around our management tools. And around the content creation tools, because uh, you know, you're hiring new course developers and we want to give them better tools. And all of the tools that we use internally for course development, we also want to make available to customers so they can do their own work. Exactly. So yeah. uh, we need to get them uh, spiffy and in ship shape um, you know, before we uh, roll them out to customers. So, a lot of work on the horizon, a lot of uh, a lot of new positions that uh, we'll be needing to fill. And I don't even know what else. I think that kind of brings me to the end of anything I we're done. that uh, I wanted to talk about. Yeah, we're sort of wrapped up in design and hiring, and now that we're sort of decompressing after the best fleets. So I think we can kind of wrap it up there.
1: All right. That Thanks sounds for good. Thanks Thanks. Have a good day.
0: Have a good day.